We're in month three of a year-long series called Tell Me the Secrets. And this month, I'm going to be sharing with you some of the secrets of forgiveness, as I understand them from God's Word. The first secret of forgiveness is this. The start of forgiveness is to confess. Nobody likes that. So I'm going to get into your business today. As we get set up to hear from God's Word this morning, though, I've I want to do something a little bit different. I want to really prepare us to be receptive to what God has to say. And so with the help of a couple of people this week, we put together, if you will, a unique responsive reading. And a responsive reading only works out if you all respond as we do the reading. So I want to ask you to go ahead and stand quickly for just a second, if you will stand. And then once you have stood, as you're able, uh, as you stood, I want you to just take a minute and... And just kind of take a deep breath, and then, and then let it out. Okay, we're not going to start doing yoga, I promise. But just take a deep breath, let it out. And I want you to just take a second to kind of clear your mind. Clear the zone, as, as we say. Leave behind maybe whatever came in with you today from last week. Or maybe you're concerned about the deadline that's coming up this week. Just kind of let... If you need to take another breath, go ahead. But just really... Kind of empty your mind so that you can settle in on these words. I'll begin. How happy and fulfilled are those whose rebellion has been forgiven, those whose sins are covered by the blood. How blessed and relieved are those who have confessed their corruption to God. For he wipes their slates clean. He removes hypocrisy from their hearts. Before I confessed my sins, I kept it all inside. My dishonesty devastated my inner life, causing my life to be filled with frustration, irrepressible anguish, and misery. The pain never let up, for your hand of conviction was heavy on my heart. My strength was sapped. My inner life dried up like a spiritual drought within my soul. Then I finally admitted to you all of my sin, refusing to hide them any longer. So I said, my life-giving God, I'll openly acknowledge my evil actions. And you forgave me. All at once, the guilt of my sin washed away, and all of my pain disappeared. This is what I've learned through it all. Every believer should confess their sins to God. Do it every time God has uncovered you. And in the time of exposing, for if you do this, when the sudden storms of life overwhelm you, you'll be kept safe. Lord, you are my secret hiding place protecting me from these troubles, surrounding me with songs of gladness. Your joyous shouts of rescue release my breakthrough. Lord, 
I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you, instructing and guiding you along the pathway for your life. I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. So don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn. When I take you where you've not been before, don't make me tug and pull you along. Just come with me. Many are the sorrows and frustrations of those who don't come clean with God. But when you trust in the Lord for forgiveness, His wraparound love will forgive you. So celebrate the goodness of God. He shows His kindness to everyone who is His. Go ahead, shout for joy, all you upright ones who want to please Him. Well done. In case you don't know, don't sit down yet, but you just read from Psalm 32. And what we just read together, it really should be all we need to go right into our response time right now. Like... Here it is. It's everything we need. Are you tired of feeling God's hand feeling heavy on you? Are you wore out from wrestling with the secrecy of your sin? Is your strength sapped from you as in the heat of the summer? Anyone ready to confess? Not yet. Anyone ready to act on verse 5? Acknowledge your sin. Don't cover up the iniquity. Confess your transgressions to the Lord. He will forgive you the guilt of your sin. Before you sit down, I would like for us to pray. I want you to take a moment of silent prayer. I want you to reflect on the words that we shared this morning together. And in just a moment, I'll pray and we'll continue. But just take a moment of silent prayer. Father God, we come before you this morning with our heads bowed. As we've thought about our week that we've had, or maybe the year that we've had, as we've taken a moment to reflect on how we've lived, maybe as we've reflected on something we're holding on to that's separating us from you. Lord, I pray that we'll be able to let these things go. That nothing will come between us any longer. I pray, Lord, that we will find the strength within ourselves to confess 
not just to you, but as James says, to confess one another for accountability, for direction. Lord, we want to honor you with what we do, not just here in this room on a Sunday, but every day through the week. As we continue to worship, I pray that, again, you'll just give us the strength to stand firm on your word, to trust that you will do what you say you will do. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. It's our confession, Lord, we are weak, so very weak, but you are strong. And though we've nothing, Lord, we lay at your feet, we come to your feet and say, help us, Lord. Many of the Psalms are attributed to King David. He was a man after God's own heart. He wrote some of the most amazing words of repentance. We just read some of them together. He wrote these great words of of forgiveness. I read the Psalms and I think, how did he get to to write so eloquently in in bearing his soul before God? And I got to thinking about it. I have an active imagination. And I think that maybe he came to a place in his life where he was paralyzed by the guilt of his past, especially looking at Psalm 32. But somewhere along his journey, he discovered that freedom comes along with confession. So my question for you is, are you ready to embrace that freedom? David wrote about this journey from confession to forgiveness in Psalm chapter 32. We're going to start off, uh, and we're really going to focus on on verses 1 through 7. But if you go ahead, turn to Psalm 32. And I'm going to read those first two verses back to you. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. Other versions of the Bible record David's words this way. Oh, what joy for those whose rebellion is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose Record, the Lord has cleared of sin, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Have you ever tried to live in complete honesty before God? It's not easy to do. Are you ready to give it a try? Are you ready? Are you ready to respond to God's word yet? Not yet. We'll keep going. But what's the big deal about confession? There are a lot of... um, a lot of people that have different ideas about what confession is and about why we should do it or why we shouldn't do it or why we should keep our sins to ourselves. And maybe people maybe just think I'm making a big deal out of confession. But the reality is we should all use God's word as the one thing that we measure our life against. King David, the man after God's own heart, in Psalm 32, he shows us confession is something that we need to do for our sake. Sometimes we think confession is for God's sake, like our sins sort of annoy God, so we throw out some confession and it will appease him somehow and make it better. But David says, no, he says, confession is for you. There's a blessing in this for you. There's something God wants to give you when you take time to confess to him what you're doing. And and this is really about your quality of life, your quality of your spiritual life. You you see, there there are a lot of other blessings 
that David skips over. He doesn't talk about those blessings in Psalm chapter 32. Things like the blessing of wealth or power or reputation or, or the things that we might pursue. David is saying those things can't heal you. We chase after them like they could, but they can't heal us. And David is saying the way to find blessing is by being forgiven. And, and the way to be forgiven is to confess. Because David understands our most fundamental problem is actually a spiritual problem. He continues in verse 32, verse 3, chapter 32, verse 3. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped in, as in the heat of the summer. In other words, David is saying that he's been to Alabama in the summertime. <laughs> he understands how that heat just draws all the energy out of you. He says, you know, when I refused to confess my sin, I was weak, I was miserable, I groaned all day long. When I kept silent, when I was hiding my sin, when I wasn't talking about it, when I was keeping it secret, I felt like I was dying inside. That's what King David is saying here. I imagine most of us, if we're honest, can relate to this feeling in some way or another. Because there are a lot of things about our lives that we keep silent. Things that we feel ashamed of. Family problems, compulsive habits, sexual addiction, just to name a few. And you know, we think that silence in the moment might seem like the best, safest way to handle something like that. But the reality is silence always leads to more pain and more guilt and a festering inside of us. That that's what David was describing just there. Silence about sin and about struggles in our life always seems to lead to sleepless nights, which leads to fatigue which then leads to more poor decisions. See how, how Satan helps us to snowball that? Because our mind and our body are wore out and it starts as a physical breakdown and then it begins to corrode away at our soul. It corrodes away our spirit. It begins to separate us from God and it always, always, always begins to affect other parts of our lives. Silent sin, a silent struggle in your life doesn't just affect you. It's amazing how, how many of us are just stuck in this religious routine. We come to church, we sing songs, we serve in ministries, we attend Bible studies, we, we throw money in the offering plate, we have communion week in and week out. We go through the same routine and nobody knows we're dying inside. Nobody knows we're struggling with something. And it's keeping us from moving forward. It's keeping us from really having a relationship with Jesus Christ and no one knows about it. No one knows about it, but you. you. You know about it. God knows about it. How about now? You guys, anybody ready to respond to God's word yet? Let me just say this. If at any time during this message, you're ready to get something off of your chest, you don't have to wait until the end. Okay, I'm not continually offering a response time just to, to say something or, or just to disrupt what God's trying to do here. Our elders are here, and if you need to go and pray and talk with somebody right now, that's awesome. I don't want to make a spectacle about what's happening here. I just don't want you to sit there and not move if you know that there's something you need to confess in order to begin accountability in your life over whatever it is that's separating you from God. People say all the time, we should have a revival, and I agree, we should have a revival, but I don't think we need to plan a revival. We can start one right now. Who's brave enough to start a revival right now? Maybe this will help.
Verse 30, chapter 32, verse 5, David says this. It helps him to begin to let go of his guilt. He says, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Folks, I don't need to forgive you. I don't have the power to forgive you. Yes, if you wrong me and you say I'm sorry, I should say I forgive you. But what we're talking about here is, is stuff that only God can forgive you of. I don't even get to judge you on the mistakes you're making. Which is probably a good thing. And you don't get to judge me on the mistakes that I make. David says, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. It almost seems too easy, doesn't it? Lord, I'm a moron. I've sinned. Forgive me. You're forgiven. There's no gimmicks. There's no any crazy rituals. There's no promising that you have to do something. Lord, if you forgive me, I'll do this. Lord, if you forgive me, I'll do that. We don't have to do that. One, because we won't follow through with it. Reality is this. Confessing to God about something, about sin in your life, really in its simplest form, is admitting to God that you can't do anything to atone for it yourself. And that you need Him to forgive you. See, there's something that's just broken in every human being. And, and no matter how great our human efforts are, education or environment or therapy or whatever, we cannot cure the sin problem in our world. My brokenness, just like yours, is very complex. Jesus comes as the great physician. He comes for sick people who wrestle with sin, not for people who pretend they're healthy. You know why no one confesses their sin in church? Or why we don't share with other people in true accountability anymore? My opinion is that we don't care about each other's sin like God cares about our sin. And we're stuck on the physical things. Here's what I mean by that. Someone gets sick, we go and we pray for healing. We never ask the physically sick person if they're spiritually sick. We just assume because they go to church, they're okay. Hey, Phil, it's obviously you're not doing too well. You just had surgery. You're going to be down for three or four months for recovery. And how are you spiritually? We don't do that. Lord, please be with Phil. Heal his body. Touch him. That's what we do. And I'm not making light of those prayers. Understand this. Ooh, you got laid off. You lost your job. I'll pray for you to get another one. Or, I'm sorry your spouse passed away. And somebody's actually overheard this being said once. I will pray that you can get over your loss quickly and get back to regular life schedule soon. Then you see those people later, so you ask about the physical things. Hey, Phil, how's your leg? Looking good. How's the job hunt going, buddy? How's your house, friend, who just lost their spouse? You, you need your yard mowed? You need something painted? You need some help? We get one of the deacons at church to set up a committee. We'll take care of that. Still not asking. How are you spiritually, friend? You see, those things don't really matter. The physical things don't matter. Our spiritual situation is more important than our physical situation. Since I'm on the topic of confession, I need to confess. I feel that we have done a less than average job in being concerned about the spiritual situation 
of our brothers and sisters here at Huntsville Christian Church. And you may be saying, now, John, don't be so hard on yourself and the elders. I'm not just talking about us. I'm talking about all of us. I'm talking about you guys, too. What do I mean by that? Tom, you lost your job 10 months ago. And I, I asked Tom if I could talk about him. I don't want you to think I'm just calling people out. God has provided for them physically over the last 10 months. I asked him the other day, I said, how many people have asked about you and your family spiritually and how you're doing during this time of waiting on God? It was less than five. Not that the physical things don't matter. Our spiritual things matter more than our physical things. How many people have looked, how many people are willing to look beyond the physical struggle and find out what's, what's really going on spiritually in our lives? Brothers and sisters, if we want to heal, we need to be honest with God. We need to be honest with ourselves. We need to be honest with each other. Some of you are carrying around secrets that are spiritually killing you and you're okay with it because you look good physically. And as long as it looks like you've got it all together, you're okay with the spiritual sin, with the spiritual grip that Satan has on your life. You're okay with it because you look good. Maybe it's about your past. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a sexual tension. Maybe it's a temptation. Maybe it's impulses of anger. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's marriage and brokenness there. Maybe it's work. I don't know. But whatever it is, I can promise you this. If you keep playing the game and continue to keep silent, Spiritually, you can't heal and move forward. You will never be closer to God than where you are today if you don't find a way to get this out of you. The secret of forgiveness is to confess. As David said in the Psalms, until he dealt with the problem of guilt and sin in his life, everything else he was doing, which included being the king of Israel, was pointless. The physical didn't matter. He tried to cover up his guilt and his sin and his shame with physical things, but he came to a point where he realized it was pointless. It didn't matter. He was going about his life. He was going about his duties, but his, he says his bones were wasting away. He was groaning all day long. He felt like God's hand was heavy upon him, that his strength was sapped. He needed to come clean. Folks, we're not okay. We come into contact with each other every week, sometimes even during the week. And out of habit, we say, hey, how are you? How's it going, buddy? How you been? How's your week? And then typically what, what gets shot back to us is, oh, I'm good. Life's busy, but I'm good. And then we're like, okay, we'll see you. But the reality is we need to push back. We need to do what we normally don't do. At this point, we should say something like, let me rephrase my question. How are you really doing? Are you spiritually okay? Now, when you do this, I have to warn you, there will probably be an uncomfortably long pause while the person that you just asked that question weighs out whether they can trust in you or not. If they can really let you in. And that's when you, you step in a little bit more. That's when you get to say, hey, do you want to talk about it?
whatever it is, I'm available. You want to have lunch? You want to get together and just pray? The danger here is more likely than not, at some point you will spend an hour or so having one of those real, authentic conversations about fears and marriage and life and sin and God's purpose in that person's life. Because when we ask real questions and give people the time to answer them, we're giving our friends, we're giving our brothers and sisters in Christ the chance to share some things. They've really been holding them in bondage. Think about how many of these opportunities we've missed in conversation simply because we just say, how's it going? Great. Okay, see you later. (laughs) And you even walk away going, they're not great. He didn't even have his shoes tied this morning. There's no way he's great. I think part of the problem is that somewhere along the way, as Christians, we have this idea that being above reproach means that we're beyond or above being hurt. That if, if we say we want to be above reproach, we think we're, ab- we're, we're above or beyond actually struggling with sin and spiritual things and being honest about it. We, we think if we're stronger or better Christians that we wouldn't hurt so much. And so all the time we keep telling ourselves over and over, nothing's really wrong with me. Nothing's really wrong with me. Everything's okay. Nothing's really wrong with me. We say it over and over until we actually start to believe it. And then Satan, he's leading us right through this dance of deception because that's what Satan does because he's the father of lies. And, and we begin to deceive ourselves because we buy into it. And then we have to convince everyone else around us that we're deceiving them too. And, and it just flows in, inward to us. And then it flows outward as we try to convince others that I'm okay. You see... Sin thrives on self-deception. Once you can convince yourself that you're okay, sin will begin to thrive on that silence. That's what happens before we begin to specifically confess our sins. The first step is we have to admit we're broken. We're shattered. We're hurting. We have to admit we are not okay. We have to admit that we are not fine. As long as we're deceiving ourselves and pretending to have it all together, we won't see the need for confession, which is why we have to start by confessing to God that we're not okay. Say that with me. We're not okay. okay. Alright, that was pretty good. Now, look at the person next to you and say, I'm not okay. Go ahead. There you go. We're not fine. Say that. We're not fine. We're not fine. You've got it. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to be honest with you. My past hurts cause me to act out in a way that is not always pleasing to God. And if I'm not honest with myself, if I'm not honest with the people that are accountable to me in my life, if I'm not honest with my wife, it will destroy the person that God created me to be. The Apostle James knew this. He wrote in the New Testament, Confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That's James 5.16. While there's healing power and confession to God, there's also a certain healing that takes place when we confess to each other. See, when you start to confess to each other, there's something that gets built up. It's called trust. You have to learn to trust each other. There's this breakthrough that happens when we confess to other people. Uh, First off, this this chain is broken of trying to do things on our own. The the self-deception is broken. And then we're admitting that we don't have it all together. We're admitting that we're not okay. 
that we need help, and this beautiful thing happens. When we start to confess one to another, it's called accountability, and it's called community. How are you doing? The truth is, not very well. Our past sins and pain, they long to live in a hiddenness and a secrecy. We try to keep that bound up. And when we allow, when we allow it, it will drag you down. It will separate you from God. It will separate you from the community of Christians that you should be a part of. Because the more lonely we are, the more destructive and powerful our past and our mistakes become. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says to, when he's speaking about the human tendency to hide and to pretend and to just posture things, Matthew chapter 23, verse 27 and 28, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law of Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to be people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. You see, Jesus says in this community called the church that we should do things differently. It says, He says, we will honor this costly and humiliating confession of brokenness and sin more than we will honor the appearance of invulnerability and impressiveness. Are you ready to respond yet? In his book, Addiction and Virtue, Kent Dunnington shared that one of the primary discoveries of 12-step communities is the utterly honest, open relationships of humiliating vulnerability. Well, that doesn't sound very promising, John. That's central to healing. Have you ever been to an AA group? You don't need to raise your hands because it's anonymous, um, or something similar, one of the first things you'll notice is that people will be standing up and introducing themselves. Like, my name is John, I'm an alcoholic, I'm an addict, I'm a drunk. It's a huge moment. Everyone in the circle recognizes that this is a huge step. It's a huge step in a physical and a spiritual battle. There's all kinds of forces of darkness that want to keep people from stepping into the light and making a statement like that. But everybody in that circle knows that they're fighting the same battle. So when that confession gets made in that little 12-step group in the basement or health club or church or wherever it is, everybody celebrates when that confession gets made. Unfortunately, in churches today, this kind of honesty, this kind of confession, this kind of community has become totally optional. If I were to stand before you and say, my name is John, and I'm a sinner, and I shared with you my sin, no one would clap. No one would stand and say, me too. Truth be told, even though you all know that I'm not perfect, you would be shocked to know that I was angry this week. It's unfortunate because I think that Jesus made it clear in his community that's the church, things like that wouldn't be optional. Brothers and sisters, there's no other way to find healing from our past. We need to be set free. We can't miss how David starts to end this psalm in verse 7. He doesn't end it with despair and discouragement. He doesn't leave us wrapped up in our sin because he says, Hey, I've confessed. In verse 7 he says, For you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with the songs of deliverance. Some verses say songs of victory. 
Jesus, God, will surround us with songs of victory when we confess. What that means is it doesn't really matter what you think of me when I confess. Because Scripture says, David said, God will surround me with songs of victory. It's a song of victory because David knows he's been forgiven. He's been set free. Brothers and sisters, when you confess your sins to God, when you confess to another, one to another, when you begin accountability in life, you've been forgiven. You've been set free. Your lying schemes, forgiven. Your lustful acts, forgiven. Your self-seeking manipulation, forgiven. Your religious hypocrisy, forgiven. All the guilt, all the shame, all the stuff you've been carrying for years and years, you can be set free. God has come in the person of Jesus Christ to set you free. There's no story in the world like the story of redemption. And that can be your story. As we come to our response time this morning, it's been my prayer this week that every one of you would let the story of you be a story of forgiveness and redemption and confession. The secret of forgiveness is confession. There's no other way around it. There are other secrets that I will reveal to you. But if there's sin in your life that you keep holding on to, maybe you think that it's too much for God to forgive. Nothing is too big for God that He can't redeem it. Maybe you think it's mediocre or small and it doesn't really matter. There's nothing so small that can't separate you from God if you let it. Maybe it's time to allow God to bring healing to your past so that you can embrace the joy He has for your future. One thing is for sure, though. Unforgiveness is toxic. Whether you refuse to forgive yourself or someone else, it can and it will consume you. It causes suffering. Studies actually show that holding a grudge causes health problems. Not just bitterness, but it causes chronic anger, which is actually a, I don't know if it's a disease, but it's a a diagnosis. Chronic anger from holding a grudge. Do you really want to be diagnosed with that? You have to go to your pharmacist and be like, yeah, I'm a grump, I need my pills. No. Chronic anger, resentment, rage, not to mention a miserable attitude. The emotions that, that come with holding a grudge, the emotions that come with not forgiving people, like this is physical for real stuff, medical journal stuff. Increased risk of heart attack. Who wants it? Forgive, confess, move on. Joint pain. You're not forgiving somebody. Not really. You may have arthritis, but, you know, headaches. Anybody with headaches? That's because you're holding on to something. High blood pressure? Let it go. High blood pressure because you're hiding too much stuff. It's time to dump all this physically so you can start to fix yourself spiritually before God. Let me ask you again. How are you this morning? How are you spiritually? Are you ready to respond? Are you ready to confess? Are you ready to put yourself before God? Talk to Him about what's going on in your life. Not because He doesn't know, but because you need to come clean. Whether it's time to forgive yourself or someone else, forgiveness releases hurt. It heals emotional pain. It removes our toxic emotions by cleansing our heart, by freeing our soul. Knowing the detriment.
results of unforgiveness and the wonderful piece of forgiveness kind of makes that choice a no-brainer if you ask me, but forgiveness starts with confession. Are you ready to respond to God's Word? Will you stand and sing with us and respond to God this morning? It's been great to be here with you all this morning to share that the secret of forgiveness is to confess. This week you'll begin to use that in your life, but now it's time to go. And as you go this week, I want you to go and seek out someone to confess to. Someone that you can begin living in accountability with. Maybe you need to seek someone that you owe forgiveness to. Maybe you just need to ask forgiveness of someone. Either way, as you go... Go being a better reflection of God this week than you were last week. Will you sing this last song with us?